Welcome to Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on Wozo Radio, WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM, right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is February 23rd, 2020, and if it's not where you're listening, then you're listening to a rebroadcast of the show or a podcast. Um, I'm Doubter5, and as usual, we have Wombat with us on the phone. Hello, Wombat. Hey, it's the Wombat! We're here to talk <laughs> about blood and soil Blood and soil, okay. Ruthless destruction and funny jokes, and we're gonna have Uh emotional roller coasters. I'm excited. There's there's gonna be tears and 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 fighting, and then gladiator (laughs) battles. I can't Uh wait to get through it today. Cool, cool. And we have guests with us today, Joey Woods, new for the first time. Hello, Joey. Hey, how you doing? Welcome. And Dread Pirate Higgs, we all know Dread Pirate. Hey, hey there. (laughs) And Boudreaux just joined us. Oh, cool. Boudreaux, uh, welcome. Yeah. Hey, guys. Very hey. good. Hey. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a call-in talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And if you get the feeling you're the only non-believer in Knoxville or East Tennessee, for that matter, well, you're just not. There are several atheist, free-thinking, and rationalist groups that exist right here in Knoxville, and we'll be telling you how you can connect with them right after the mid-show breaks. And in spite of what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs out there, and you'll be hearing some of them on this program and generally on the station as they're in rotation. Wombat, we'll be talking about stories of deconversion and blood and what else? Soil. But you know, we're going to start off the best way how I love always to start off. Remember that? What's that? New guest, new stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Joey Woods joining us for the first time. You're on the hot seat. Yes. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Tell us your life story. You have 30 seconds. I'm just wondering. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, Can you I tell was, us how you became a, a non-believer? Tell anyway? us about I yourself mean, first. So we'll you in. started off as a believer. Yeah, we'll get into all yes. that. Who are you? My name is Joey Woods. Um, I was raised in Lebanon, Tennessee, and um, then I moved at 13 to go live with my aunt and uncle. I had been living with my grandmother. Um, so my grandmother raised me in a strict Southern Baptist um, church. I just kind of, um, I didn't end up like rebelling or anything. I just kind of got used to it and... You know, it was kind of an outlet for uh-huh. me. And then when I moved out to live with my aunt and uncle, um, they, I, it was more of a little more progressive, liberal, um, reformed Baptist church. And, um, but that we went to church every Sunday as well. And I went to like a lot of Jesus camps and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And so around, um, 18 years old, I, I was accepted to two different colleges and I decided to go to a Christian college. I don't know if you guys, wow. I'm sure you guys know about Jerry Falwell's, um, nope. Liberty yeah. University oh, in Lynchburg, yeah. Virginia. I went there for one year. Um, I, uh, didn't do much work, didn't do anything with transferable credits. I've always struggled with school, especially back then. I didn't really have a lot of, um, direction is except it, for is the it, religion. I don't understand that because isn't the, isn't the answer for every test God, like, don't you have like A, B, C, or God did well, it, and then you just God, put in God Jesus, did it? or the Holy Spirit? Yeah, or <laughs> like or literally, if you get a blank so. test and you don't know it, and you say, "Well, God knows it," isn't that the right answer? Like, how can they tell you no? <laughs> Pretty much, I guess I should try. Yo, that. you <laughs> opportunity wasted. Yes, 
<laughs> so it was there that I actually um, decided uh, to um, try to become a pastor, start learning learning things um, about scripture. Um, but also, I think there um, was, and I didn't know this at the time, but it, I made the first step to leaving religion because I prayed a prayer um, that came to my head and it was, God, I want to know you for who you are, not for who I want you to be, not for who I've been taught you to be. And I want to know the truth for what it is, not for what I want it to be, not for what I've been taught it to be, but for what it is. And that became my creed. And so I began a journey then to um, study the Bible from different Christian perspectives. And, and when I came back to Tennessee um, to move in with family and try to figure life out and hold down a job and all that jazz, um, I, I started going from denomination to denomination, um, getting to know different people and, and their stories and why they believe what they believe and what is it that they believe about the Bible and God and Jesus and all that. And so this journey... Um, took about six years. I also um, went to a Christian recovery meeting called uh, Celebrate Recovery for about four and a half to five years. And I became, um, I, I actually ascended to the leadership team after going through um, a step study a few times. Because um, it was, ba it's basically like the AA 12 steps, just add Jesus. <laughs> so, um, and then um, in about um, the winter of, 2018, I thought I had found the perfect church online. I had been studying the Bible from um, what's called a Messianic Jewish perspective, a Hebrew roots perspective. Yeah. Um, my goal in mind was to try to find the most, what I, this is what I would say to people when I, when I told them what I was learning about Hebrew roots. I'm, I'm trying to find the most authentic and original expression of the Christian walk. Um, that, you know, that I was just trying to find out what the early church believed, what the original authors meant, and how the original audience of the, or, or the original readers of the text, what, what it was, what it meant to them, because there had been so much confusion. The more churches I went to, the more confused I got. Basically, so I you're tried trying to, to figure become, out how did the Bible get made, basically. Yes, and I, right. I, you know, I, I studied about the translations and uh, Council you know, the Septuagint. Yeah. And mm. yeah, yeah, all of that. Mm. And, um, I decided along the way to become a legalist. And so a legalist is basically, it, it says what it says and it means what it says. And we need to do what it says as it says it. And that's not very popular. No, that's not popular at all. That's not very popular, especially in the Bible Belt. Huh. So for, for about four or five years, I kept the commandments of Moses as they were, as I believe that they were applicable to me. I didn't eat um, shrimp, uh, shellfish, or pork. I um, didn't work on Saturday. Um, I uh, there's a few other things. I didn't wear mixed fabrics. It, I I went all out. What? How did? How, yeah. I'm wondering about the fabrics thing. How did you do that? Um, <laughs> Just wondering because well, I, I, you, I, you have to basically check every clothes, all the clothes that you buy and all the clothes that you are, own, and the tag will say if it's forty percent something uh -huh. or sixty percent something else. I, I went all out, man, because I wanted one hundred percent polyester everything or like hundred percent. Yeah, well, hundred percent polyester, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, yep. Wait a second. Wait a second. So you would have a hundred percent polyester shirt, a hundred percent cotton socks mm -hmm. isn't that mixed mm -hmm. fabrics like couldn't wouldn't the next guy who takes it the next level above you be like 
you're you're still mixing it up though. <laughs> oh well, no, no. Well, I know that, that, that those those discussions were um were were made often around that community. Is just these little um trying to get you know the, the little obsessing over the details. Well, it the, so the conclusion was, or at least my conclusion after some study was that if it's if it's separate clothing, then that its own its own clothing as itself. Like blasphemy. Percent blasphemy. Yeah. We're starting <laughs> our own church right now. Cotton and the shirt is a hundred percent polyester but if the stitching is nylon then hell let's let's just start a new church right now like this guy (laughs) he speaks of the devil i think it's time to burn everything he owns down (laughs) which uh which is cool interesting that you mentioned burning because i actually burned some of my clothes as a um, (laughs) as an offering to the board Got real, in, man. In, in like the 2000s, <laughs> this would have happened in the 2000s, right? You know, that must have happened like after 2000. It sounds like that's a story that happened after the 2000s. Is that accurate? Well, yeah. Well, I'm I'm 27. So this I just walked away from religion about a year and a half ago. Fair enough. Um, so it was it was in the teens. So it was, I came back to Tennessee in uh, 2012. And so from 2012 to um, August of 2018 was this journey of uh, religious obsession. And so I thought I found the perfect church in Memphis, but it was there that, um, I found out a few things about, because I had became a King James version le- legalist by then. Thanks. Um, That's even... and I went to it. A... Go ahead. I'm sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I, 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 before we get onto so many tangents, I wonder around ah. the table, like, has any, can anyone relate to in after the year 2000 still doing, I think you probably win. Has anyone done anything more extreme to a god after the year 2000 than no. burning your clothes as an offering? <laughs> no, nothing more extreme than that. Nothing more extreme. Fudro, do you have anything? Um, no. Uh, Did you ever try to use the force? <laughs> I, I definitely tried to use the force. Past in the, 2000, uh, in right? Eight, in the 80s. In okay. the 80s. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as a as a kid, everyone tried to turn off their, their sure, lights. Sure, uh, sure, sure. I remember bed. that. I spent a solid afternoon trying to like turn but off the light switch. Using the force before episode one came out, right? Mm, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. I somewhat half jokingly, almost somewhat seriously, legitimately try the force. You know, once a year or something. We're just give it a shot. Let me just make sure. I mean, it's scientific, but <laughs> sure, sure, it's, sure. it's medichlorians. We, it's, right. we have to wake right. up yeah, eventually. The medichlorians. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've never prayed to find my keys, but I have been like, "Oh Lord, where are my keys?" But like in a completely sarcastic uh-huh. way, and. Yeah. And I've not found them still. So I was just like, well, that wasn't efficient. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was as fast to learn here as you. Uh, so we'll get back to the story then. So um, you're looking at the King James Version Bible, which is probably like not even the the King James Version Bible is not is not like, you know, Sanskrit, like OG Bible. That's just like you know what came out of well this this church convinced me from uh uh they used um the the church that i went to basically all of their doctrines were pure scripture it wasn't there was very little interpretation of scripture if you asked them a question they would Mm -hmm. take you to a place in scripture so the reason that they support king james version is a prophecy in isaiah about god speaking to his people in other tongues and um king james version being the first um widely accepted text so that was their reasoning for that um 
Uh, and another thing that <laughs> was a little left field as well, uh, the church that I went to was a little bit black supremacist. Black supremacist. Well, I yes, mean, because that's obvious, I had stumbled. Isn't it? A, I don't see a yeah, problem. Yeah, I, I had stumbled. <laughs> I had stumbled upon a group that believed that that uh, that convinced me that the true Hebrews were actually the black people okay. uh, of America. And oh, of America. Um, I prayed about it, and I thought I saw you know a vision in my head, and God confirmed this, and I had been praying for a few months, and so I thought that that was confirmation that I had found the church that I had been prepared for. I mean, shit. I, Stuff got crazy. I mean, um, I'll, I'll say this. Whenever I see a Jesus in America, they look suspiciously Italian. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, those um, abs oh, are fact, too I good. I don't know if you know this. Hmm. Fun fact, I don't know if you know this. The first pictures of uh, white Jesus were actually one of the Pope's nephews. I can forget which Pope Whoa. it is. Whoa. Yeah, yes. I believe this. I believe it. I believe it. I believe yes. it. Probably it was Pope not, it was like not some artist thinking about it in his head or having some sort of a vision. That's actually one of the Pope's nephews. That's so obvious. Oh, it's yes. one of those things. I love I love little pieces of knowledge like that. Anyway. I I have to I have to throw one more Star Wars bit in that go ties for it, to go this. For it, go for it, go for it, go for it. Has I, has anybody seen? I assume it's a fake story, but if it's real, it really just warms my heart. The 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 old grandmother that has a picture of Obi Wan Kenobi in a very Jesus looking headshot position, sitting on the mantle, oh, and, oh, yeah. and, yeah, and somebody's uh-huh. like. Yeah, my mom thinks this is Jesus. Have you seen the meme? Have you seen the meme that picture. says, "I think yeah, you would be too ashamed to have Jesus on your wall"? And a lot of uh, boomers are are this picture went viral, and a lot of boomers are putting like uh, Jesus, who they think is Jesus, that picture of Obi Wan Kenobi on right. their uh, yes. Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I I remember. I know this. I, it's I'm just gonna cling on to this tangent for a little bit but um we were having a conversation at work about like coolest god and it was a tier it was like you can have like this tiered championship that you can format online and have a one-on-one fight so you could have like thor versus shiva and it was like whoa like you have a god that like can turn into an elephant has like 16,000 arms can see yeah. into the future versus another God that is like the son of Odin uh, can shoot lightning bolts is like amazing. Great. Makes great movies. Really funny. And like is coming on a resurgence on like the MCU and all that stuff. And God, like the Christian God, Jehovah was like one of the first things to drop out. Cause it's just like, what does this God do? That's cool. Well, he can turn water into like juice and <laughs> He made a lot of fish out of like not that much fish, so he's like really good at making lunches. <laughs> and he like made the world. Like every god made the schools. world. Yeah, it's like yeah. every god made the universe. Like that's a common denominator on this list. What else did he do mm-hmm. in school? Well, he killed his son. It's like that's not even like unique or cool. That's not cool. No. <laughs> off the list. Yes. He loses. Yeah. He could do some a few magic tricks. That's pretty much it. Pretty oh my gosh, that reminds me of like, uh, you remember that episode of Family Guy where uh, Jesus was doing that trick with his hands? It came out a few years ago. I can't really. You are twenty seven. Joey, did you finish your story about how you? Yeah, got go for it. Again? Well, well, I, um, I just I I had been learning things about scripture and um it, and then things that I experienced by listening to other people and going to um regular Bible Belt churches and then going to this church in Memphis it just bothered me and I kept sweeping them under the rug and 
I found an error in the King James Version translation <laughs> while I no. was in Memphis, and it was Wait, a so clear error. Impossible. Where a word, I know, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It was a clear error where they had it was something in the New Testament where a word was added to um, to push forth a theological agenda that the Mo- Mosaic Law had been done away with. Which um, is what the King, the, the this church was using the King James version to justify everything. Right. But I found this verse, and I was just like, right here, the translator put something in to try to say that the law of Moses had been done away with, and God did not stop him. This well, is, how did you know it was an er- an intentional thing instead of an error? And how did you determine that it was not original text? The verse I oh, well I went I, I I kept kept going back to the Septuagint and the Young's Literal Translation and to see if this particular um, word was um, in the original Greek, and it's not. The verse is, is I believe, John one sixteen, and it says, uh, says that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Saying that the law, in, in that, the way that sentence is worded is it's saying that the law of Moses is not the truth, and Jesus came and brought the truth, which is which is a huge contradiction. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. And everything that I had shoved into the closet of all my doubts just and all came piling that, out. Yeah. Yes, and it was just like, well, I could try to put it back in the closet, but I think I'm just going to go home. You know, you know, that sounds to me like you were just waiting for an excuse to ha- to finally drop it. It was probably less like it, a camel's I was, breath. Yes, I like, was freaking miserable, man. Mm. I was miserable every single day, and I tried to hide it, but it just I couldn't do it anymore. I yeah. couldn't maintain this. My mm. logic and my faith were just at war yeah. every minute of every day. Wow. Which is the way it goes if you believe uh, miracle stories. Yes. Um, but there are several things in the Bible that, uh, that would point to that, like where did Joseph and Mary go after they left Jerusalem? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bethlehem, I mean, there are two different places. The Bible says they went, Disneyland. and you say, uh, right? And who was at the tomb the morning, uh, you know, Easter morning? Uh, mm-hmm. There are three different stories or four different stories, and have different people there. Um, it's just one thing after another. Uh, that if you're paying attention, yes. you know, you you can see that there are contradictions. But this one is 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 particularly strange, and that the, you know the original says yes, and the the you know, the interpretation says no. So it's mm-hmm. kind of strange that one yeah, the, would be so The different. word but was not in the original yeah. text. It said the law came through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. But maybe, I don't know, I don't understand how Greek Greek works. Maybe that is what it means. Maybe the, the, the word but is inferred. But <laughs> when uh, I... You you saying that is that you know why you know we don't we did we don't see this as well I didn't see this as a believer and most believers don't see this and I didn't notice this until my mind just came out of that I think I told you Larry um, that one night that um, it took me about six weeks to weigh everything and go go over my six year journey and uh-huh. then come to the conclusion that God wasn't real and. You know that I I decided to that atheism was the most logical conclusion. Uh, it was like a spell just lifted over my mind. Well, like let me I ask you been, something. Like I had been playing make believe. Right. And when oh, I just wanted yeah. to say this one thing: when you're taught from the moment you can hear that the Bible is the absolute unquestioning truth, you don't seek, and you come to believe that you don't seek to find these contradictions. You try to find, you know. Well, you know, how to fit your life to that narrative. But of course, right. the, your logic finds this, these problems that you try mm-hmm. to push back and sweep under the rug. But anyway, yeah. you're going to ask me something. 
No, so many, so many people. When I'm out at like ask an atheist booth and I'm talking to people, they one of the first things they always come to me and say, "Well, what happened in your life? What what terrible event have <laughs> happened to you to turn make you turn your back on God?" And it's it's reason and evidence and study. It's not you know my mother died, therefore God you know God isn't real. It's it's nothing like that. Uh, so your story is kind of. Uh, justify or not justifying, but uh, saying that most of us take that path. Reason, uh, study, rational thought uh, gets us to a non-belief state. But yes. the other question, the question I had for well, you was: considering how well or how much you enjoyed your Christian life, are you are you uh, pathetic now? Are you uh, <laughs> are you uh, in well, pain? Are you happy now? Can toward, I steal toward, your lunch yes, money? I am happy now, and toward the end of my Christian walk, like I said a few minutes ago, I just became absolutely miserable because there were so many things that I couldn't ignore anymore. Right. And so, I mean, the first year was kind of kind of dark in a sense because um, I I didn't know about meaning and purpose and how to find that, or um, or that I needed. You know, because I had convinced myself that I needed the the answer to the big question. Because if I didn't have the answer to the big question of the meaning of life, I'll burn in hell for all eternity. It's a powerful thing over the mind. So for it took me a little while to convince myself, like I I don't need that anymore. Like I can, I'm I've lived 27 years. I know the basic stuff. I know how to feed myself and pay my bills and all that. And so now I just take it one day at a time and. Mm you know, read the books that I want to read and I'm free to draw my own conclusions about anything. And, um, but I'm never, I'm not absolute and closed minded about anything. Um, I've let evidence and reason change my mind on any time, any topic whatsoever. As it's it just, should. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot. And a lot of, um, I also struggled with, um, um, what they say is mental illnesses or mental disorders, but a lot of my symptoms from mental disorders have gone away, like anxiety and depression, not completely, because I mean, I think everybody deals with some a, a, a little bit of depression and anxiety, but a sure. lot of it went away when I changed. Um, I think I haven't read this book, uh, but I heard that, that there's a book about um, the anxiety about death, and it mentions I don't know who the author is, but one of the lines is that a lot of our problems is that. The world is not matching up to what we believe. We have these expectations in our minds, and when the world and our life doesn't match up to it, that's what can cause depression or more depression. And so I've learned that lesson, that lesson to be true in the past uh, year and a half. I heard they call that Paris syndrome. There's a lot of (laughs) Japanese people who visit Paris, and they, in Japan, they have a very romanticized version of what France is like. And then when they Mm. actually get there and they realize, no, it's just a really big city. It's got a lot of immigrants. It's got a lot of traffic. Um, not it, it can be very kind of exclusionary if you don't know French and mm-hmm. and you know like if things are expensive, they cost money. It's not like people are just kissing in the street. A lot of the people there yeah. are very reserved, and it <clears throat> shatters uh, an expectation that they had when they get there to the point where there's this down spell of like not only is it not as romantic as I thought, but I'm really disappointed that I put so much you know, emotional weight into this being an amazing right. place. Yes. You know? yeah. I, I and that was a thing. daily thing for me because mm. I kept fighting because 
I was told that the world was set and I told that I had all the answers and, I, and, and that the poor, that the book had all the answers. And I just needed to com- continue to apply these things that weren't productive and they weren't working and they were making me more miserable. And so I thought it was yeah. my fault. And it was just a daily just weight that was just horrible. Yeah. Sounds like there was a lot of pent up stress and like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. frustrations yeah. with this in general. Yeah. 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 Well, we're getting down to the bottom of the hour. We probably should take our break now and come back. Uh, we'll continue with our discussion in about, sure. I don't know, three or four minutes. So, uh, stay with us. This is WOCO Radio 103.9 LPFM live right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. You're listening to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee. And now back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. Welcome back. I'm Dotter Five, and this is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM, right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is February 23rd, 2020, uh, the second half of the show, and we're going to talk about the free thought groups that you can join right here in Knoxville. First, there's the Atheist Society of Knoxville, or ASK, founded in 2002. We're in our 18th year. ASK has more than a thousand members now, and you can find us online at knoxvilleatheist.org. Also, you can join uh, the Atheist Society of Knoxville in person at our weekly meetup, which happens every Tuesday evening at Barley's Tapping Pizzeria in the Knoxville's Old City, where we get together for food, drink, and conversation. Everyone is welcome. That is, as long as you don't come to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch. Thank you, Atheist Experience, for that. Uh, by hey, the way, experience. Hey, did you know we had a radio sh- or a live TV show? I've been trying to tell you about it every week, Larry. It's it's on TV. You can't the miss it. Experience no, our, no, the one in Knoxville, the one in Knoxville, ours. No, it's on really? it's on TV right now. Like, no, if you're listening to this, no, no, what? They, are you, what? They don't have that show anymore. Not on CTV anyway. I'm glad you found it though. <laughs> Uh, yeah, is yeah. he referring to the one that um, we had our last episode yeah. on we had Wednesday? Our last episode last Wednesday week. at six. Yeah. Uh-huh. No one ever tells and, me these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Faithless Forest is planning on um, doing something on a YouTube channel. Right. Um, so we're just going to continue mm-hmm. it on some other avenue. Right. Nice. Yeah, it's going off. It's gone off the air temporarily. It will resurface shortly as an internet version, like probably on YouTube. However, you can find archives of the show on YouTube now, where a fan has been recording and posting them. Uh, Just go to YouTube and search for three words, Free Thought Forum Knoxville. And if you're interested in getting involved with the TV or the radio show, just come to ASK Meetup or RET Meeting and talk to us about it. You could be our next co-host or guest. Uh, And what is RET? RET is the Rationalist of East Tennessee. They've been around for more than 20 years. RET has bi-weekly presentations and discussions at the Pellissippi State Campus near Hardin Valley Road. They only meet the first and third Sundays, uh, but you can go to rationalist.org and click on upcoming events. Okay, back to the show. Where did we leave off? All right, so we were talking about uh, Joey Woods' deconversion story, and uh-huh. we learned a lot about <clears throat> like the frustrations that come about when you're living in a life steeped in cognitive bias. <laughs> 
or dissonance, dissonance, cognitive dissonance. Uh-huh. Where yeah. you're, where so you, bias is too. Sure, sure, <laughs> bias too. Where sure. You're, where you're, confirmation bias. Where you're actually learning things that just don't make sense. <laughs> and you keep learning yes. them and your brain's like, no, I don't want this. I don't want my vegetables. And you're like, you will yes. eat your vegetables. And it's like, these aren't even vegetables. <laughs> it's literal blocks of wood. It's like, you know you like fiber. It's like, this makes no sense. Uh-huh. Why am I doing this to myself? Um, <laughs> hey, uh, I want to go around the table. Does anyone have um, similar deconversion frustrations that they went through and i'm i'm actually kind of interested in boudreaux and dread pirates because i'm not sure if you guys were always atheists or if that was an easy transition for you oh I'll, uh, I'll, I'll punch <laughs> it into boudreaux first. i'm gonna take a number yeah. Boudreaux. okay yeah so uh i guess i don't i think my my deconversion was so gradual uh, that I I have a harder time kind of pinpointing things. I kind of just started shaking things away mm. uh, over time. Uh, just pieces would fall, and I think I mentioned maybe even last last show one of the last pieces that fell was you know kind of that superstition, that worry of well, what if what if it is true? You know, how about this? Was and, there any hesitation for letting your wife know that you were not uh, the big A word, or was she oh. already on the same page? She she was not. I don't want to get into any personal things with her, but mm. uh, we we're both on the same page now. But um, there was a time when we were starting a family where mm. we talked. She she wanted to take the kids to church to kind of have oh, you know ex- hard. Well, and it was it was she wasn't pushing super hard for it, but she felt like there was a piece missing of like you know we have you know we have family time and we talk about science and she kind of felt like there was like a third third leg to the stool of, of spirituality or kind of inner self and mm-hmm. it was it was interesting because she again she wasn't pushing it you know super super hard but i i remember that um very distinctly as i was like oh crap <laughs> uh, hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't know how to Luckily, um, we're now just absolutely on the same page, and, and um, I, I think the kids are are uh, uh, much better off. Uh, <laughs> certainly, but, um, I I don't want to pry, yeah. and I know it's personal, but did her her father help at all with that? Because I know <laughs> he's on the same page yeah. with you now. Yeah, was that an assist? Because no, that's, Cause that's, that's a weird assist that you would get, right? Yeah, no, yeah. no, that I I don't know that they have ever in the past talked about this very wow. much. Uh, yeah, it was, and I didn't, I didn't learn about my father-in-law's thoughts on this until, you know, really in the last five or so years. Wow. And he is a, re- he is a regular guest at our summits. He comes every, every month. Um, wow. Is so and, great. Yeah. And I, it's wonderful because I have this just, this powerful relationship between my father-in-law. He's just a wonderful guy. Yeah. That really ties and, it together. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Early does. But, uh, um, it, it, um, I, I don't think that he had any role in her, uh, change. Mm. I think they both kind of, kind of did it independently. Sure. Um, I think, yeah. So I would, um, I just put a cherry on top of this. I would say like for Joey Wood's experience, like it's one thing to recognize, Hey, I'm out of this really bad mindset that I was in, but now I have to watch out for the ramifications of this new thing, this new epiphany that I reached that I can't turn back on. And like, how will this affect my, you know, marital life, my social life? 
my interactions with other people? Is this something I should be ashamed of? Is this something that I should bring up immediately? Um, how do I, you know, start to like integrate myself back into society as myself, but as a fundamentally changed version of me? And that's always like the interesting follow up after a deconversion. Would you, Joey, would you, do you think you're still on that path right now? Um, yes. I mean, I, I think, um, uh, it's, it's definitely a process and, sure. um, I've always been kind of, uh, not to sound like depressing or anything, but I've always been kind of an outcast. I've been hanging out with the outcast group. Hey, I just, I've I always had trouble fitting in. And so I didn't really have that many friends to begin with at church. So when I walked away, I mean, it's, uh, the sting of, uh, uh, unplugging from a social community, hmm. uh, wasn't, wasn't as strong because I was kind of, kind of used to being left out Joey, and things like that. So I that can, made it a little easier. I can tell you two things. One, there's no such thing as an outcast when we have dread pirate Higgs on the, <laughs> on the call. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dread, would you mind telling me about your life as an outcast and what you've done to actually help up fellow outcasts in, in, in far out, uh, Canada? Uh, well, sure. I mean, I uh, <clears throat> I was raised Roman Catholic. Hmm. I actually spent some time. Uh, I was working towards being a priest, and uh, you know, fell from grace, as it were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Similar story, then. Similar story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and when I spent you a lot of the years. Age of reason. <laughs> the age, well, you know, this is uh, something I said last week. Is uh, when I lost my faith, I found my reason. Hmm. That's great. That's my that's my new bumper sticker. That's oh, a good one. I like it. Good line. Um, Get a tattoo, yeah, so, put on a shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, for a number of years, I, I uh, engaged in sort of mysticism and magic and all that kind of stuff, thinking that, well, it's not necessarily God as Christians or other religions perceive it, but that there's some mystical energy that uh, we can all tap into. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those creep creep along things where you know eventually it just you know became very obvious that uh you know the world is as amazing as it is is not a, a place of magic mm. and uh you know carl sagan's uh demon haunted world for instance uh is, is a, a tremendous eye-opener to uh you know the the world, you know, like I say, is an amazing place, and it doesn't need magic in there to make it amazing. Um, having, you know, the reliability of what, uh, you know, science has been able to uh, uncover and discover about the world makes me feel confident that I'm, you know, I don't have to look over my shoulder for God, mm-hmm. essentially. If I don't, if I, you know, I don't want to you know, rock the cart or anything, uh, which is kind of looking over your shoulder uh, when you think about God. Uh, but science uh, just takes away that, uh, you know, the fear. Did being, mm-hmm. Does coming out of an athe- as an atheist make you feel more as an outcast? Or when you were in the religion and you knew you didn't believe, did you feel more as an outcast then? Like, do you understand what uh, no, I'm No, it would be certainly afterwards as... Uh, being an outcast now i celebrate it right i mean being yeah, a pastif- me being a pastafarian um our, you know are exactly you know like i say uh we have a float that we put in uh, the holiday parade around christmas time and and i shout out actual yeah. tilt is the reason for the season sure. well so. that that actually makes me think about something that i experienced in the past year 
And it was it was strange. It was a strange mix of feeling like an outcast, but also when my mind just comes back down to earth and sees humanity and myself for where we are and in all of our ignorance about the universe, I, I just was able to re- I'm able to relate or at least feel like I can relate to more people than I did when I was religious. So I look forward to um, building healthy, healthy connections with people now, sure. knowing that I'm not pretending to know things that I really don't know. So it was kind of, it's kind of indescribable, but it's a beautiful thing that, you know, I'm yeah. realizing that we're all lost, but we're all lost together. And that right. it's just, it's just helping me. It's really helping me to become more empathetic. And, um, I don't know. It's amazing. Right. Okay. Empathy and compassion will get you a long way toward a, a, your own good moral set. Yeah. Like we're all just trying to figure out how this works. The universe itself uh-huh. at the same time. And like, mm-hmm. we can either be on the same page or not, but either way, we're all trying to figure this out. Like there's no one who's <laughs> like, I figured it out. <laughs> like, uh, like, that's that, the person I, who's least figured me. it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That has helped me feel. Um, I think the best way to put it is less alone. Yeah, hey, there you go. More alone. Nice. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So, I got some things to nitpick. <laughs> <laughs> How about this? Um, I think earlier in the first half of the conversation, you were saying like, um, "Hey, I, I came to the realization that there is no God, right?" And mm-hmm. I would, I would always caution as someone that's coming out of atheism to make sure they don't jump from one untenable position to another untenable position. You, you it, mean, you mean coming out of religion? As they come out of religion, going from one Gnostic claim to another Gnostic claim. Well, I I went, I I watched a lot of atheist videos and I thought really, I mean, I don't think I was working at the time. So I would take long walks and places I used to pray. This wasn't really something that was, it, it, it's not really something that I came to overnight. It's just, it's just what ended up making more sense after some time of reflection. Sure. I'll express the concern that I have. It's, uh, cause I went through the same thing too. It's when I, when I said, I, I, it's when I said there is a God to when I said that there isn't a God. Because when I say that there isn't a God compared to there's no good reason to believe in this God. One yeah. thing I can actually demonstrate with evidence and, and show that I have a reasonable mm-hmm. position not to believe in that God. Right. The yes. other one, I'm making a claim that makes it very, very easy for clever theists to come mm-hmm. at me and say, well, how do you know uh, there is yes, no God? And it makes because, you uh, accept the burden of proof. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I, that, I say things like that in the presence of theists and in conversations. But, I mean, um, among friends, I, I'm, I, I say that, you know, it just sure. doesn't seem real to me. But, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on the same page with you. Okay, there. okay. Uh, it's, uh, and it's one of those small things that, I, that, seem, that seems so innocuous, but it's actually really fundamental because what it does is... is show that you're still open-minded to believing any outrageous thing that you hear or any extraordinary thing you hear, but that you have a consistent way of determining what is true and what is not true. And if it's not Mm -hmm. compatible with that singular method that you're using, then you don't have to believe it because I don't know it's totally a fine place to be until that person presents the evidence to meet it. It puts you in a much more reasonable place to just say, hey, I don't have a good reason to believe that. That's not my problem. That's your problem. <laughs> you come to me to right. believe it because I have right. every justification to not believe something that's not credible until you can present a credible case to me. And if you do, I'm yeah. open to it. But until then, I you, I can't do anything but not believe in it. 
And I just feel like that's a great way to maintain an openness and a, an intellectual honesty. But you should really be careful. And this goes not yeah. to you, but to like atheists in general for yeah. going to the next step of saying, and I can prove that there's no such thing as God. It's like, which God? Which oh, are you talking yeah. about? Atheists? Yeah, I, I don't. The burden Ancestors? of proof is not upon me. Right. You know, in, in that kind of thing. And I, one, of the, um, one of the other things that I, I saw in my contradiction of thinking when I came out is that I, would, I had already been using these methods to obtain truth, right. but using them against other religions and not my own. Hmm. You know, right. when I finally turned it inward, it was just like, okay, yeah, this doesn't, this doesn't fit either. You know, so if we can, uh, if we can just at least get some religious people to, uh, entertain the possibility and try to find the courage to actually use the same principles and methods that they use to disprove other religions, right. to consider testing themselves in their own thinking that maybe sure. we can get somewhere. And something really great that I found out is when you turn the conversation from does your God exist or doesn't exist to do you have a good method to know if God exists or not? Like, can we talk yeah, about that I, methodology that you're using? Then that yeah. becomes a less loaded argument where people are trying to defend the conclusion they put a lot of emotional investment into and more thinking about how they think, which is like a, a realm of thought mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't put a lot of ego into. And you can really start to pick apart and understand working together is, did you come to this conclusion in a reasonable way? And if you did, I'll believe it too, because I want to believe things for reasonable reasons too. But if yeah. we can't get there together when we work together, what does that say about the conclusion that you reached? Maybe you shouldn't have as much yeah. confidence in it. And, and that's what I do as a hobby sometimes now. It's been yeah, really formative for me. Yeah. Um, Matt Dillahunty has, has, I think, a great way um, about going about that on his show as well. Is he, he finds out what they believe and, and then calls not them an only idiot. what they believe yeah <laughs> and why they believe yeah it. there's and a reason why how the, the methods so you know. old school matt dillahunty this is an interesting thing matt old school matt dillahunty would listen to someone say why they believe in god <laughs> call him an idiot and then hang up the phone and the video would make <laughs> right. millions and millions of youtube <laughs> yeah, videos i saw yeah i saw kind of, kind of early and, ones but it <laughs> seems to have evolved for and, lack of a better and phrase. there's a there's an impetus for that involvement it's because there's a, a a movement in in austin uh helped by anthony magnabosco read nice wonder and other people who practice an art called street epistemology Mm -hmm. where it's mm -hmm. about talking about how people reach their conclusions. Street epistemology, it's a big word, but it just means talking to people without sounding like a jerk. And it structures mm. the conversation from why do you believe this to more like how did you reach that belief? And can we mm -hmm. explore yeah. that way together and figure out is it a reliable way that you use to reach that conclusion or not? Because if it's not yeah. reliable, both of us, the person who believes it and me who's asking the questions, will figure that out together and there's no way that you can uncover or right. cover back up that, that right. amazing gap. It's a process that uh, doesn't attack them or their beliefs, yeah, but exactly. how they came to the, in other words, their methods for uh, for arriving at the belief. And Matt Dillahunty, hey, uh, a friend, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up. Yeah, Matt, Matt Dillahunty yeah. is a good friend with Anthony Magnabosco, and, and over the last, I would say, four years, he's been watching a lot of street epistemology videos where Anthony would go out and just have conversations with people about what God they believe in and figure out how they arrived at their conclusions. And in about five minutes, they'll reduce their confidence because they realize personal research isn't reliable hundred percent, or, or they might've been using their argument from upbringing or just because they were raised that way, that may not necessarily be true. And Matt yeah. seeing that, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to sprinkle it into my way of having these conversations. And now when you watch him in like a, a phone call, he's a lot more patient and he starts asking questions about, 
how did you arrive at that conclusion rather than hey you're an idiot <laughs> get up <Yeah. laughs> next caller how how rude all right Bruger, what do you got can, can i play a can i play a um angel's advocate here go for it go for it go for it should, go for it we say angel's advocate instead of devil's advocate yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep. That was a good guy on our side. Hail <laughs> <laughs> Satan, I, full of freedom. I, I I absolutely love the Street of Festimology, and I am starting to try to sprinkle it into Summit conversation. Nice! Because, yeah, because I, I really I really think it's a good... But I will say, just as again, as an as a angel's advocate here, I think it's important to have very all kinds of different styles and methods. Yes. The, the, the Richard Dawkins of the world are these militant kind of just very cold and so people need that because i think some sure. people have written yes. richard dawkins letters saying thank you so much you got me out of this yeah i don't know that they would have gotten out of it through necessarily through a street epistemology way no i agree I everyone I agree. has yeah. a different yeah. i i think there's rooms for arguments i think there's rooms for debates i just think street epistemology is another option and it's always good to yeah. have options yeah. yeah, but um, I'm I'm actually um, listening to the audio of Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, and he just went over um, uh, about how our memory um, isn't, you know, it's it's nothing's perfect in the mind, of course. Right. But he went over about how memory can um, misfire as well, and um, one of the things. Um, Oh geez, I lost my train of thought. Um, hey, you just—you're um, proving your point right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh geez. Like I've I, never I seen a perfect it. example. That's great. <laughs> That's a great book, by the way. Uh, yes. Um, how? How? Oh, okay. Back. I got it back. Um, nice. You're, how we you're welcome. Remember, how we remember <laughs> most things when emotions are connected to them, like you know, things that we're not used to feeling. Mm. Like if someone says something that's offensive. We, we hyper fixate on it mm. and then yeah. maybe, maybe just maybe it, it will haunt us for a little while and we'll think more and more about it. And, um, I hate to quote Jesus here, but <laughs> there was actually a parable about planting seeds in people's minds. And that's kind of, mm. I think that there, that, that does have a, um, the mustard seed thing. Well, that is the well, worst. Not, Jesus that, quote. No, not that, that's a different one. That, yeah. he, did a, he told a parable about how, how, how you can teach somebody something and if they're open minded, Hmm. Um, which is completely contradictory to the whole thing. But I mean, it, it, it is a good point. If someone's open-minded and you plant a seed and they, they really consider it and think about it and they want to know the truth and that, that seed will, will bloom. But, sure. you know, but of course <laughs> it's more applicable to, you know, reality than religion. So I think it's a great, no, sorry, don't, oh, you're Chad, fine. I'm the way. Hey, Chad, the impellers. Hey, yeah, yeah, sorry about jumping hey, in late. Chad. Sorry about jumping late. Um, no, you're good. Something that you just said made me think about um, moving mountains and things. And and I used to work at a marina, and I was helping a guy rebuild a marina. And these really large, heavy boats and sections of marina um, had to be moved around. And the way that you would move them is that you would just apply, apply steady, even pressure. You don't push hard. Mm. And then you can move this massive two-ton structure and, and gain momentum. But you do not push hard initially. You'll you'll hurt yourself. You'll fall in the water. Whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's just slow and steady pressure. And, yeah, uh, yeah. That's what yeah. meditation does for me. Mm. Chisel away at this mind of mine. Yeah, it sort of tames yeah. your uninhibited thoughts to just take a back seat 
And I find like yeah, I found Sam that Harris really has a lot of good things to say about meditation. Mm. Yeah. Oh, bingo! Uh, here I was hoping to be the first one bingo. to say Sam Harris. <laughs> bingo! You st- Boudreaux's like, dang it, they took it from me, but I still said Richard Dawkins. So I, I'm not. <laughs> sure. Hey, there's a record. Fifty-five minutes into the call, and Sam Harris was mentioned. That's pretty late. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good when we got Boudreaux around. That's pretty good. Um, though it took me like maybe forty minutes to bring up Street Epistemology. I'm going to take some credit there too. So like. We're all mm-hmm. here. Uh, so I would say this um, as a as a wrap up. I think you know, regardless of where you are on your deconversion process, it's a process. And some yes. people are. I think every single person who's going through the repercussions of dealing with the idea that they used to believe in God and don't believe in the God anymore are still developing as a result of this. And the frustration side of it can very much be something that you're done with like it could be something that's like far away and done with like i'm not frustrated by the idea of um used to being religious and now that i'm out it's something i can celebrate but i'm also trying to figure out better ways to have these conversations with other people and i figure my my development right now is about dealing with the best way to talk to people about what they believe and why they believe it because i really resonate with street epistemology as a uh methodology um yes dread pirate is uh, did, is also doing street epistemology but he's religious yes. and he believes <laughs> in a flying spaghetti monster as his god which is like a, a, a demonstration that you can be both religious and an atheist at the same time too um eric is finding like a really good avenue for um uh talking with people in the summit where he has people come over to his home um Ch- chad the impeller has found meditation as a good way to just reconnect the spiritual side there uh, what i'm basically saying is there's more than just one avenue to resolve your 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 sure I've, I've, as a human being. I've found orneriness works for me <laughs> <laughs> well that was before <laughs> well uh larry you also uh kind of practice street epistemology at yeah, ut knox right with your table uh with the ask an ask atheist, an atheist table yeah yeah uh, I like to uh, sprinkle more. I need to sprinkle more and more street epistemology into it. Uh, my my normal style is just general argumation. Right. And that's why that's why I mentioned ordinariness. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I see the value of street epistemology, and I need to work it in more. And that's one of my goals. Right. And um, I live in Murfreesboro, and so uh, Larry has inspired me to work toward one day actually doing that here at uh, Middle Tennessee State University. Awesome. UT Knox. So hey, cool. Very cool. Hopefully I'll go through. There's a lot of media that we can show you to get you started. Uh, I would mm-hmm. recommend this. Um, if we're at the point where we can start plugging, check out se-playlist.com. That's just okay. se-playlist.com, where all the street epistemologists upload all of their stuff from all around the world. Now, here's the weird thing. When we started making this playlist, it used to just be maybe three people <laughs> uploading. Mm-hmm. Now we have people from all around the world, literally all around the world, all different that's languages so great. uploading this. That's, I think that's we, awesome. we just uploaded a video from in Swedish. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not Swedish. It's from Denmark. Uh, <laughs> my Swedish is so bad. Don't listen to me. But, uh, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't speak Swedish, but, um, he does his talks in French and Danish. And then we also have Linda Mako who does her talks in, in regular English, but she's from England. So, and she was originally from Sweden. So she's got a weird accent. We have Theobald who puts out his stuff in French. Um, uh, Fanny who can do her stuff in Portuguese. There's just, 
such a great community of people who are trying to have conversations with people from all about anything with anyone that that's that kind of gives me chills yeah like that's that's wonderful i hope it it is i hope Mm -hmm. it spreads like a an amazing beneficial virus (laughs) speaking of (laughs) beneficial viruses uh dread pirate also contributes to that channel dread pirate where can we find your stuff at uh i'm up at uh, mind pirate on youtube nice channel there hey you can't just type in mind pirate and find you how do you have to do it um well, I don't know. It's like it's, remembering it, my own phone number. You got uh, some Y's in there. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. M-I-N-D-P-Y-R-A-T-E. Oh, nice. P-Y-R-A-T-E. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I'll be plugging a, a review that he did with a very talkative friend of his uh, named Mr. G or something like that. Uh you, yeah, I can't yeah. remember which one. Yeah, yeah it's kind of weird. You, uh, do, you do so many, you kind of forget. Yeah. 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 I also have a YouTube channel as well. It's, it's just got started, so I only have a couple of videos where I just have some thoughts on a couple of debates. But I hope that my dream is for it to become a place where I interview deconversion stories, but not nice. just kind of a one-on-one thing, but something that, like, I would love for it to evolve to something professional looking, like just short documentaries on people's lives. Um, you know, Mm. and so, but, and that's that rise heretic rise is my, um, YouTube channel name. Sweet. I'll throw out some other things too. Just be, when I, when I started my YouTube channel, the first couple of videos that I put out did not have the best production quality. Um, Mm -hmm. some of the audio was not the best that it could be. And it was a journey of just being so appreciative that I just started in the first place. Uh Like the fact what's the name of your YouTube channel? My YouTube channel is called let's chat. Let's chat. I'll send, I'll post a link in the, um, um, description, but let's chat's my channel. Um, I believe I can talk to anyone about anything and I've gone around like the tri-state area doing interviews with people at protests, churches, um rallies you name it and larry's been to a couple of them with me and (laughs) that's that's so great guys i'm so glad i got plugged into all this and next (laughs) week i'm going out to maryland with reed nicewender who's also uh, a big seer from california and we're going to be doing um se at the cpac or the conservative political action committee that is the big Republican shindig oh my God. at twenty twenty. <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun there, and that's. I would say I'll pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be up there for four days doing political talks in the heart what of Trump. Oh God! Is that Thursday through Friday or what? Yeah, I'm, heading, I'm flying out on Sunday. Wednesday. I'm flying out Wednesday. I'm not coming back until Sunday, so I'll be out there for a while. Yeah. So you'll miss next next week's show. Uh, yeah. Now that you've mentioned oh, it, yes. <laughs> I will try to carry on. Okay. 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 It will be hard. We'll carry on. <laughs> My cat's gonna miss me the most. Uh, it's the only thing I've been thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Larry, where can we find you? Uh, or I'm sorry, we're gonna save you for last because you're you're our anchor. Okay. Uh, uh, Chad, do you have anything that uh you would recommend anyone um follow if not a personal you know, social media page, just something we should check out. I don't have anything personal that I've put together yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on that. Actually, I'm thinking about starting um, my own little podcast. Nice. But uh, cool subject matter. I'm not really hundred percent sure on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you have something that you would recommend uh, for people who want to get into meditation as a resource that they can figure out? That's like legit. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say Sam Harris again, but <laughs> I have, 
Absolutely, Sam Harris has a fantastic app with a lot of great lessons, and uh, you can get it 30 days free right now from uh, from someone who already has the app. We can send a we could actually post a link on anything you guys are going to post, and anyone can use it. And uh, Sam and his team have also said that if after trying the app for 30 days, if you can't afford it, just write the waking up team and they'll give it to you for free. For mm-hmm. cool. Wow. If you that's, post that, that's beautiful. If you post that link in the messenger group, I'll put it into the description on our Patreon and YouTube sites. And then also oh. I would say this about Sam Harris. If you ever need help falling asleep, his audiobooks have been a massive tool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, uh, uh, Boudreaux, what do you got? What do you have anything? Do you have anything that you'd recommend? Such a soothing voice, that Sammy. Such, I uh. just want to tell you about morality. It's the best thing ever. It's like, oh, oh. So, Whoa. so I too, I don't have, I don't have anything on on the internet. Uh, like, like you mentioned, Wombat, we do something at my house called Summit. Hmm. And if anyone's in the Lexington, Kentucky area, um, give me a give me a shout. You're welcome to to join us. Um, we have we have a lot of fun. Um, uh, Chad and I started this thing what five years ago, four years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but we are experimenting with having people call in. Wombat, you called in last yeah. uh, last month. I think it kind of works out. We still need that face-to-face for a lot of it. But, sure. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, the only plug I would make for something out there that I think is really, really cool is some folks in Kentucky put together a documentary mm-hmm. called We Believe in Dinosaurs. And it, it's a documentary on the Ark Encounter in mm-hmm. northern Kentucky, which was a somewhat um, state-funded uh debacle uh of, of just i mean it's just a nonsense oh my god I a nonsense museum it's really interesting to, to oh, see it's... these real people like really truly believing like oh yeah. why are there dinosaurs on the ark how did we do it we he noah got them when they were babies so they were little ah yeah so they would fit <laughs> Just, I, I always find it amazing how they try to we make got, something that sounds oh, rational we, when it's just like, why don't you just say, God figured it out. This right. Yeah. The universe into creation. So God did it. Yeah. So with he our last 40 seconds, we're going to have Larry close out. Species on there. Yeah, as, as this is the Digital Freethought Radio Hour. I'm going to recommend you visit the digitalfreethought.com blog, a website blog. If you have any questions that you'd like us to address on the show, you can you can send the message or the question to askanatheist at knoxvilleatheist.org. And if you'd like to vi- listen to prior shows, you can uh, find them on podcasts such as iTunes, Stitcher, Luminary, Podcast.com, iHeart, as well as digitalfreethought.com. And somewhere... Somebody believes that you are going to their hell. The time to worry about it is when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real. Until then, don't sweat it. Enjoy your life, and we'll see you next week. Game over. You've been listening to Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. Thank you for having me. WOZOLP 103.9 FM, Knoxville.